Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Castor. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you on this Wednesday. We continue to watch the status of Bill's safety, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, no updates this morning. Some, we hope, encouraging news from people close to him yesterday. We'll get into that a little later in the program uh, as we wait and see. Um, Lots of things happening in the sports world. We have head coaching news with Jim Harbaugh come back in. We have college basketball from last night. Historic in some ways. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers producing for us. The voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us in our next segment. Uh, and we will talk with him about a bowl game of the ages. We will talk to him about KU's win over Texas Tech last night. We'll talk to you, 869-1240. Tommy, good morning. How are you? I'm good, Jacob. Looking forward to getting into it today. We've got a lot to talk about, especially in the world of college basketball. Now that we've got basically all the bowl games done, waiting on the national championship game on Monday, uh, we really transition into college basketball. And uh, there were two really big conference games last night involving teams in our neck of the woods that I'm excited to talk about. Yeah, and you know, they're all going to be big in the Big 12. I think we've established that, which is just going to be fantastic for us and our viewing experience, both of those games. Unfortunately, most of us couldn't watch the K-State game. Uh, but as we tried to follow along with it, um, we we got really good basketball last night for different reasons. <clears throat> with K-State, um, it was historic. The most points scored, 116 versus 103. Uh, historic as far as the Big 12 is concerned. They went on the road, got their statement win of the season by far, Tommy, in a way scoring 58 points in each half that I didn't know K-State was capable of. Marquise Noel with 36 points. Keontae Johnson, we expected to be great. He was. 28 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Uh, 9 assists, by the way, for Noel. 5 Wildcats and double figures. Um... I mean, my goodness. They'll, they'll be ranked now. What was Texas? 10? They were ranked 10, I think, coming into that game, or, or whatever Texas they were was ranked, ranked inside the top 10. Six, yeah, six. Yeah. So, I, I mean, look, it's, uh, it is it is unreal to me that this has happened. Now, you know, the Chris Beard situation exists in t at Texas, but they just kept winning despite his situation, which we still don't know a whole lot about. This is remarkable for K-State. To go to Austin and score 116 points, they're now 13-1, and one, Tommy. And after a win like that, it's no more of, but they, you know, yeah, their, their schedule. Because it, it, it was a fair, not even a criticism, but just observation of why they haven't quite taken the national headlines. But it's like, yeah, you know, they're, they're, their non-con wasn't amazing. It wasn't awful, but it wasn't amazing. It is now, and now they've proven it uh, twice in the conference, one with a a decisive what will be quad one win over Texas on the road. And this is just, I mean, it's outstanding to see 
what this has turned into for K-State so quickly. They have one of the players in the country that will command our attention nationally, Keontae Johnson, not just because of his ability, which is phenomenal, but because of his story. Um, K-State's right there. By the way, 31 in the Ken Palm, even after that win last night, that is factoring in the win last night. So they're still, you know, the metrics are still coming around to them. Um, we got games through yesterday. Let me just take a look at the net because remember, the net is what ultimately matters now. And the net has them, and this is factoring in last night, at 18. They jumped nine spots, Tommy, from 27 to 18 in the net. That's significant. Um, you know, just whatever else happens, this is the kind of win last night. And I know it happened on January 3rd, but it's the kind of win that can get you in the tournament if you're on the bubble. Uh, yeah, clearly this entire team and Jerome Tang have heard people like me say things like, are they for real? We'll find out when they get into conference play. We'll find out if they're for real or not, because we didn't know, right? Uh, I think we know. I think we've got a pretty good idea now uh, about this Wildcats squad. Um, and what I like about the win, obviously they put up a ton of points. It looks like an NBA final, but I like that Marquise Noel led the way. He's the veteran guy for this Wildcats squad. And the, the narrative has been all of the new players coming in and Jerome Tang working the transfer portal and bringing in these new players like Keontae Johnson and, and others. And Marquise Noel was one of the, one of the two holdovers. Uh, Ish Massad was the other one from the Bruce Weber era. And Noel is leading the way. He didn't leave the program when Jerome Tang came in. Uh, and he became kind of the de facto leader of this team. And he rolled Texas last night, uh, you know, 38 points, um, just the way that he was able to, to play the game offensively. Um, they were incredibly efficient. Um, you don't go into in, in conference play, especially you don't go into an opponent's gym anywhere in the Big 12 and hang 116 points on the team. It just doesn't happen. And the fact that Kansas State was able to do that, um, I think that tells you a lot about who this team is. And I think you're absolutely right. It might be January 3rd, but who cares? The committee is going to look back on this game when we get into March and, you know, obviously label it as a, a top-tier win. It's definitely a quad-one win when you're going on the road and you're beating a top-ten opponent in Texas. They're going to look at the number of points that Kansas State hung on them and that's a, I mean, it's an understatement to call, to call it a quality win because it absolutely is. It's more than that. That's a program-defining win for Kansas State. Well, Tommy, it's one of the best wins any team's had all season long. Yeah. I mean, on the road against number six is as good a win as any team in the country has this year. Um, and, and, and again, like, n not hyperbole. That's a fact. Like, yeah. road wins at top ten opponents, like, no, not— I mean, I don't know. There, I'm sure there are others. I'd have to go look, but I, but not many. Um, and and it's just, it's all been fair, by the way, that we are looking at K State and wondering, right? Like, well, you know, it's eleven new players. What are we supposed to think here? Keontae Johnson quickly showed us that he's back and and you know, in an All American, certainly an All Conference conversation. He will be the country's comeback player of the year. Like, all of these things. But what else, right? They lost Nigel Pack. Marquise Noel has flashed big time. Um, and then it's been a collection of the other guys, right? Naquan Tomlin has shown 
high, high-end stuff, but not consistently. And he was pretty good last night. Not amazing, but 4-7 from the field, 11 points. It was Cam Carter who became the set, you know, the 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 other piece last night. And and we've seen different guys do it. And that depth matters. I mean, they basically have a rotation of eight guys and it's really seven and that's been pretty consistent. And and they're just finding a groove. And you know, if if Jerome Tang can do this in year 1 out of the portal, um Man, you know, if he can do it in year one, what's year four going to look like? I, I just, I, I think that, I, I don't know how you could possibly have more optimism around this program right now because the recruiting class next year is also good. And now you've got this combination. And if he can, you know, somehow master what Bill Self has done masterfully for so many years, which is blend, right, the 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 growth of players within the program, and now transfer portal slash one-and-done type players that are five-star type recruits, that's that's why Bill Self has been so successful, right? A lot of teams and a lot of coaches do it with all five-star guys and all flashy guys. Hadn't always worked out. Bill Self's teams are great because he's always got experience there, right? Last year it was Brown and Abaji. This year it's you know Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris. Um, it, it's It's the growth through it plus these other guys, and there are not a lot of coaches that have mastered that so far. One year in, and Jerome Tang hasn't had his recruits come through yet, but, man, like, it, it looks like we're watching Baylor out there. Honestly, like, a collection of guys, a bunch of transfers, and they're really, really good collectively. Texas Tech has done that really well through the portal, uh, both through Chris Beard and Mark Adams. So, K-State's got it going right now, and it just, we got to keep raising that bar, right? And it's not, look, they're not going to like, I, I still don't think they're going to win the conference. I'm not going to say it's out of the question and I'll stick my foot right in my mouth for kind of scoffing at anyone who suggested it early because there were people close to the program who follow it very closely who had done that. And I was just like, there's no way. And I would be more than happy to be totally wrong about that. I think it'd be a great story. I'd love it. Um, but I don't think they're better than KU. But they just beat Texas on the road. So... Could they finish second in the league, third in the league? Where's Baylor stack up? And this will all settle out too. Again, they're not going to go win every game in the conference. They, you know, they had a nice comeback against West Virginia of sorts, and then this convincing, you know, start to finish win over Texas. I mean, Tommy, Texas got it close. We were all holding our breath a little bit, like, oh no, here it comes, and they held on, and they scored fifty-eight points in both halves. Yeah, I, I you mentioned uh, what can Jerome Tang do in year four. I don't care about year four. Uh, I right. care about year one. And yeah. as of right now, the the conversation in my mind as I'm following the game last night is I think that Kansas State could win the Big 12. And that's not anything that I would have ever said um, even as recently as probably yesterday. I mean, I thought that they were a nice team. I thought that they were a good story. I thought they've got good athletes, but I would have never thought, okay, they can definitely win the Big 12. I think they can compete for a Big 12 championship this season. Will they get it? I don't think so, but I certainly think that they are 1,000% 
overachieving their expectations and blowing those expectations out of the water as of right now. Now, it's a long conference season. There's a long way to go. Um, so it's probably hyperbole here on January 4th to sit here and say the Wildcats could win the Big 12. Um, but they certainly can compete for it, I think. Uh, when, when you can knock off a top 10 team in Texas, which, by the way, I think Texas has been um, overly inflated throughout the non-con as far as how good they are. Um, I don't think that they are, a, a, I think they're a good team, but I don't think that they are a top 10 worthy team, uh, especially after what we saw last night. I mean, they'll drop for sure, but um, the, it's a great win for, for Kansas State on the road. Anytime you can go into a top 10 road game and, and get a victory like that and hang the number of points that you did, uh, that that's a, a quality win for sure. So I definitely think that the conversation as we continue is less about all right, how does Jerome Tang utilize his recruits in year two, year three, year four, work the transfer portal in those years? It's right now. What what can they do right now with the playmakers that they've got? Can they compete for a Big 12 title? I think the answer is yes. Yeah, I do too. I, I think it's yes, but I'm not, I'm not going to pick it, but it has entered the conversation. And... I, I, and just I the fact that it's entered the conversation at this I know, point that's, is that, remarkable. That's, that's the thing. Like, it's not. I don't. I don't want to call it likely or unlikely or anything. It's just. It's just in the mix now. And we played two conference games, and these things sort themselves out. And we saw. You know, we saw a really good Texas Tech, and we'll talk about KU as we make our way through. But we saw a really good Texas Tech team lose at home last night. And I don't know how you could watch that Texas Tech team and not expect them to climb back into the mix either. So it is still the Big 12, and there will still be a reckoning. And all of these things will even out where I, I do think this league top to bottom is going to be insanely competitive every single night. It's lived up to it so far. And K-State just appears to, right now, two games in, to have entered the conversation with Kansas, Texas, and Baylor, who we think are at the top of it. But there's other teams, too. TCU's been good. Like, there's, you know, there, there are other teams in there, but it certainly feels like, and maybe this is the most fair way to say it, it certainly feels like K-State belongs with that top-tier group and not that bottom-tier group right yeah. now. Because but Keontae Johnson between... is, is he's, he's as good as any player in the league. And then right. they, even... they also have some other guys. Even between that top tier and that bottom tier, we're not talking much separation. I mean, that, that's right. been the conversation the entire year so far is the amount of parity in the Big 12 uh, and how you've got, you know, all 10 teams are in the top of the net, right? And, you know, that it's going to be a juggernaut. We talked about it yesterday on the show, uh, how the Big 12 is going to be a juggernaut. It's going to be a gauntlet night in and night out. And so, yeah, you can separate, I think, five teams at the top and five teams at the bottom. Uh, but there's not much separation between those two tiers. So right now in the net, you, you mentioned the net. So let's look at this. So Kansas leads teams in the net, and Kansas will probably, depending on what they do this weekend, be the number one team in the country, I would think, when the new rankings come out. We'll see. Um, but they're number four in the net right now. Texas is 12, West Virginia is 17, and K-State's 18 amazing to me because K-State has wins now over West Virginia and Texas. Um, and I don't mean that the rankings are wrong. I just mean it's amazing to think about that. Baylor is 24. Iowa State's 26. Oklahoma State's 33. TCU's 36. So they've got some work to do. Texas Tech's down at 44. Oklahoma 
is at 52. That's it. That's that's the league. So basically, everybody's inside the top 50. And, you know, <laughs> that's just insane to think about. Yeah. And I think, honestly, I think, every, I, I think it's going to get better than that by the end of it. Um, even as they beat up on each other, the wins that each team will come up with will outweigh the losses that will come with that. And I think everybody will be inside the top 50 and probably higher by the end of it. What does that mean? I, I, I mean, I think it means that everybody's got to be in the conversation to make the NCAA tournament. Could we yeah. see a year where every team in a conference makes the NCAA tournament? The Big 12 is going to test that this year. Now, it's going to take some big-time wins from some of the you know teams like Oklahoma, which I think they can absolutely get. Teams like Texas Tech, which I absolutely think they will get. Um, and yeah, I think everybody could make their way into the tournament. It'll be a great conversation later in the year as we're having it. But how could anybody argue with it? Can I also draw our attention to less than two weeks away, January 17th, inside Bramlage? You've got the first showing of the Sunflower Showdown this season. Uh, I mean, it's coming up right around the corner. And uh, I, I don't think that there were many people before the season started that circled that game as a high-quality matchup. Um, I, I absolutely is now. It's always a spectacle when the two yeah. teams face off against each other, regardless if it's in Manhattan or Lawrence. But knowing what the Wildcats have done so far, and especially knowing what they did last night against Texas, uh, that's the first showing of the Sunflower Showdown in less than two weeks. And then they play again in Lawrence on January 31st. So you're going to get both Sunflower Showdowns in the month of January, two weeks apart. Um, it, it's going to be high-quality basketball. I was there when Jamar Trailer was shoved. Um, mm. Where I, I, I've been there for two Were you the guy? Were you the guy that shoved him? Uh, I'm no, trying to think man, of the— I was in, I was I'm in looking the middle at of the, it. I remember looking at the picture of the guy. He kind of resembles you. I'm just going to throw it out there. I, I was in the middle of it. I mean, I was on my baseline. I was I was standing there. I, this is when I first moved here. And I, I, you'll have to forgive me if the years are wrong on this, but I don't think they are. It went like right when I got here, we went through the Royals of 2014, which included the wild chase trade deadline into the wild card game into the, you know, I, I think I, I went to my first Chiefs training camp and then did the Royals chase. And, you know, that included the wild card game one night after I think the, the Chiefs smoking the Patriots at home. And then so we get through the World Series and it's like, catch your breath. K-State goes to – K-State was really good that year. They were like a field goal away from being in consideration for Big 12 championship. I think they went to the Fiesta Bowl, had our first kid, and then went up to that game, right, mm -hmm. at, at Bramlage and covered those teams. And I was on – I was sort of on the KU beat that year. Went into Omaha for March Madness where we had Wichita State versus KU. I mean, it was yeah. like – there was no no chance to catch your breath. It was as crazy a stretch as I've ever had, uh, and it was nuts. And that was a part of it. And that was the that was the I think the first time I'd gone into Bramlage, and I was like, oh my god, this place is amazing because it is when it's crowded and when it's packed like that. It's nasty. It's awesome. I love it. I think it's amazing. I love the trash talk. I love the. 
you know, the chance and all that thing that gets under people's skin. And by the way, I love that when it goes both directions. Like I, I, it, none of that stuff bothers me at all. I don't know. And we'll talk about KU, but the McCuller stuff last night in Lubbock yeah. was fantastic. I love it. Like, come on now. Like you gotta have that. And, and KU's unique at home for very different reasons and all the best reasons in college basketball. But I'll take any atmosphere like that where it's heated. And, and Bramlage is a great place for that. So I'm excited about both of those matchups this year because KU will give it right back to them when they come into to, you know, to Allen Fieldhouse. It's going to be great. And what an awesome thing for the state of Kansas. And we've seen it before, right? Like we had great tournament runs with Bruce Weber and Bill Subs. This isn't u- unique or anything like that. But I think you look at it now, and the difference between it is it feels like the ceiling is so much higher for K-State now than it was then, even then, even when they had that amazing class of Dean Wade and Cam Stokes and, uh, you know, and and that crew who was, who was an amazing crew and trio that played for a couple years there in Manhattan, there wasn't a lot coming in behind them. And I think that was a lot of K-State's fans' issues, right? Now it feels like there's a lot coming behind them and – if this is what it looks like in the portal, you're going to like your chances every year. Yeah, and the one thing that Jerome Tang brings to the table, I mean, of course, he brings a lot to the table, but um, he, it is impossible to have apathy towards the program when you've got a leader like Jerome Tang. And I think that towards the end of the Bruce Weber era, there was a lot of apathy. Even though there were flashes of them being good at times, the last couple of years were really bad, but they were getting, the, the fan base was getting into a world of apathy Jerome Tang and just his personality and his excitement and what he brings to the table, it's impossible to be apathetic towards that program. And so um, that makes it really exciting. You, you're, you're right when you say that the energy when Bramlage is full is awesome. Uh, there have been a lot of times in the last couple of years especially, it hasn't been anywhere close to being full. Um, it will certainly be full moving forward, and especially during the Sunflower Showdown. I think so, too. They don't have football on the way now either, uh, which will help, you know, spur amazing crowds there can't wait to see it uh that's k-state last night big winners over texas 116 103 we'll come back we'll talk ku we got the voice of the jayhawks brian haney joining us we got to look back to the bowl game and to last night's massive win in lubbock we'll do that next on sports daily Go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. And welcome back in Sports Daily, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, and we are joined by the voice of the Jayhawks, Brian Haney. Brian, it has been a whirlwind, I know. Happy New Year. Um, Big win last night for you guys in Lubbock on the hardwood. But let's start with football because that was as wild as you can get against Arkansas at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, looking back on it now, where will that one, and I know the outcome wasn't what we wanted, but where will that one rank for you as, an, as all-timers uh, being in the booth? Wow, it's it's certainly up there. I mean, it's, uh, it's one of those games, one of those rare games where you lose the game, but you walk out of there kind of feeling like you won because you witnessed something so special with the comeback, so rare. I mean, so many things had to happen for Kansas to have a chance. And, you know, when you talk about rattling off, what ended up being 32 straight points, if you include the first time, the first touchdown of overtime, uh, 25 in a row to force overtime, just 
unreal. I mean, an onside kick for a coach who said he never had one in his career, and we get one in that moment, a, a takeaway with three minutes to go, you're out of timeouts. Arkansas is averaging six yards a carry. It's second and 11. All they got to do is hand it off and, and rush it straight forward. And if they have two good runs, the game's on ice. And instead they get creative and get kind of cute and try to run a reverse. And Marvin Grant has a big hit that jars loose the ball and Kobe Bryant scoops it up. And then on top of that, you know, Jalen Daniels, who goes from outhouse to penthouse, he was having one of his worst games as a Jayhawk halfway through the third quarter. And he finishes doing something that no quarterback has ever done in a bowl game with 500 passing yards, five passing TDs, one rushing TD. No FBS quarterback in a bowl game has ever done that. And uh, and this is a guy that, you know, halfway through the third quarter, we're wondering, is he going to be able to figure this out? Because he'd had as many interceptions in the first half as he'd had all season combined, and they weren't moving the ball. And so for them to be able to flip the switch that quickly and have all three phases of the game – Offense, defense, and special teams do what it did. You know, defense, four straight punts forced before the takeaway, so five straight stops. Special teams gets the, the great onside kick. I mean, it was just an unbelievable sequence of events where if one little thing doesn't happen, you don't pull off the comeback. But everything that needed to happen did, including for Daniels, just an unbelievable final you know, quarter and a half in overtime. It, it sets him now ahead of Todd Reasoning for the greatest passing day in KU history. So I'll definitely remember it very fondly. I'll remember the turnout our Jayhawk fans had in Memphis the night before where they took over Beale Street and they were fabulous. Uh, and I'll remember KU in a bowl year where the Big 12 didn't have the best of showings. You know, We showed like we belonged, and, and we absolutely had a performance that, that wound up being one of the more riveting and exciting bowl games. And even though we didn't win, uh, so much to hold your head high about. And that's what I remember most about that bowl trip. Brian, walk me through the end of the fourth quarter and uh, the, the various overtimes uh, and specifically about Jalen Daniels. You mentioned, um, you know, how he played early in the game and how that transitioned into later in the game and figuring it out. The tenacity, the dedication, he definitely had a moment where it was like, put the team on his shoulders and he's going to go out and do everything that he can, leave it all on the line to try to get the victory. Talk a little bit about your emotions during those overtimes uh, and, and as it was going back and forth with Arkansas, how you were feeling in the booth. Well, to start with Jalen, I think that there were a couple of throws it finally settled him down. Um, there was a throw down the right sideline that Lawrence Arnold caught on, on a perfect pass where he really had to place it only where LJ could catch it. And sure enough, he did just that. And then a couple of sequences later, a different drive, there was a, a, a deeper ball. I want to say a deep ball, but you know, maybe a 20-yard pass upfield, which everything prior to that had been to the outsides many times just laterally in the flat he goes 20 yards downfield to Luke Grimm who catches it and then runs 25 more yards after the catch ends up being a 45 yard catch and run and I think after those two throws he really settled in but because before that and Lance Leipold made reference to this he didn't look like the same guy in terms of confidence he had fumbled a snap that we didn't lose the ball on but his his hands were shaking he then got wide eyes and as I mentioned he had the two picks that you go back to his first 
five games of the season and the last two games of the season after the injury, he only had two picks all year. And so I think when he completed those two passes, particularly the Luke Grimm one, where, where Luke did all that, that damage after the catch, we really saw him settle in. And then he started taking chances vertically more. Because before that, I think he was genuinely afraid to make another mistake and turn it over again. But as he started to string together big throw after big throw and, and touchdown after touchdown, you know, we're kind of looking at ourselves and we're doing the math and we're thinking, why not us? Why not now? David Lawrence did a great job of, of saying on the air a couple of times that every bowl season there's that one crazy finish. Why can't it be Kansas? And, and so we started, you know, talking about how the math would add up and what it would take. And, you know, our emotions were, we were just kind of pinching ourselves. Is this really happening? And then, you know, I, I think we all thought, as many fans did who left the stadium, that when Arkansas completed the big ball over the middle to go inside Kansas territory, we take our last time out after we stop them for a one-yard loss to make it second and 11 with three minutes to go at the Kansas 30-yard line. Fans are filing out. We're out of timeouts. As I said earlier, you're just expecting Arkansas to, to hand it off, rush it straight forward, and pretty much put this game on ice. All of a sudden, they get cute, and they run this reverse, and we're like, did that really happen? And, and to be honest with you, in a non-homer you know, homer take, when we looked at the replay of the fumble, it really seemed like the guy possessed it all the way to the ground. And Brandon McAnderson and I both kind of thought, oh, man, we've seen this before. This is going to get overturned because it looked like it was it was flush up against his right forearm before he hit the ground and the ground jarred it loose. And I don't want to say, well, it was me, but when you're a program that's been at the bottom for so long, you're used to not getting those calls. But it wound up being one of those classic cases of because the call on the field was a fumble, they didn't have just clear cuts. Uh, you know, reversible evidence that was completely conclusive, right? And so they kept the call on the field as it stood. And when we caught that break, we're like, wait a minute, this could really happen. Still had to get the onside kick and two touchdowns, but we went from thinking the game's over, they're just going to run out the clock, to, uh uh-oh, like we could still do this. And I've heard from probably 10 Jayhawk fans, and I know there's many, many more than that, but I've heard from 10 personal friends they were in the stadium and left at that point, one of which was in an Uber and was listening on the app and told the Uber driver, hang on, i got to run back in. Uh, others were already in traffic driving away and just listened to the rest of the game. But so many folks thought it was over, and yet you know, the unthinkable <laughs> happened, starting with Arkansas's decision, but, but continuing on through that onside kick, two very, very improbable things that, that kept this thing alive. It, it as we look forward now, that one's in the rearview mirror. What what are priorities this off season for KU football? How and what is the path to get better next year than what ended up being historically a pretty magical year for the program? Well, I think the roster continuity will be something that allows you to get better, even without the the pieces that are added to it. The fact that you know, on our senior day, we just said goodbye to 12 guys. I, I got to be a part of K-State senior day when they honored 28. And the reason is you got a lot of guys that, that are bought into this program and this culture, and they're going to take that COVID year and come back. And, and they think that what we just witnessed is just the tip of the iceberg, and they can do 
that and then some next year. And so I think just by having so many experienced players coming back and, and uh, you're only saying goodbye to a handful of starters, that's really, really exciting. And so just with an extra uh, year of seasoning for all of these guys who just had the additional month of, of bowl prep, uh, spring ball, believe it or not, starts February 28th, so exactly two months from when the, the game was played in Memphis. They'll be back at it again. And in my estimation, you know, you've got a, a preseason all-conference quarterback on a team that's going to return 90% of its starters or close to it. I think they have a chance to be top 25 in some of these preseason publications. And, and that you know, may sound like a stretch to some, but if not ranked, then and certainly just outside of it to start the year. And so uh, they'll clearly you know, have some uh, portal additions that they'll eventually add that'll factor in as well to fill a few of those gaps. But you look up and down the, the respective depth chart, and there's just so much coming back that gives you so much hope and excitement. So I think that just by you know staying where your boots are planted and, and getting better right where you're at with the guys we have right now is going to make us so much better because, guys, we're going to be playing with a lot of 23- and 24-year-olds next year that are in their fifth and sixth seasons in some cases of college football uh, because they're exercising that COVID year. And, and they could have gone other places, but Lance Leipold in two years showed them, hey, we want you to spend that COVID year with us. Look at what we're doing here. Why would you want to go anywhere else? And so I'm really excited. You know, Jalen will be a senior next year, but he technically could have two more years to go. And, and the Jalen Daniels we saw you know, closing out this season to me looks like a guy that will not only compete to be a first-team All-Big 12 quarterback, but could compete to be an All-American. And uh, that's not a stretch, guys, because through five weeks in, in this season, he was sixth in the Heisman balloting, or Heisman projections, I should say, in Vegas. So, um, I mean, that's, that's a guy that gives you a whole lot of belief and, and uh, momentum heading into next year. So I think it, it, certainly there's, there's things they can add to it. But, but just starting with the guys you got and, and look at how much experience and age you have coming back, there should be great expectation that, that this club starts with a six-win uh, you know, minimum, and, and hopefully you're talking about a club that can win seven or eight. Well, Brian, let's uh, shift gears now since football is all wrapped up and take a look at basketball. Uh, since the last time we talked to you, two conference games in the books for the Jayhawks, a big-time comeback over the weekend inside Allen Fieldhouse against Oklahoma State, and then that three-point victory against Texas Tech on the road in Lubbock last night. Talk a little bit about where you think the, the Jayhawks squad is right now, especially after that hard-fought game and that hard-fought win against Texas Tech last night. Well, I think where are they at right now? They're probably still in their beds. We got home at 2 a.m. in the morning, and uh, <laughs> you're my first phone call of the day. So it's, it's good to wake up to, to your great voices. Uh, but, but where are they at as a team? I think they're realizing that this conference is just a freaking gauntlet. It, it's a meat grinder, man. And uh, I, I hope we all have, uh, you know, we're all doing our, our cardiovascular workouts because this season's going to be tough on the ticker if we keep having these one possession finishes. But you probably heard us reference it, and I'm sure you saw it on Twitter the other day, that um, you know, heading into this week, ESPN's BPI ranked the, the strength of schedule, remaining schedules, for all one, or 362 teams in Division I college basketball. 362 teams, strength of your remaining schedule. And the top 10 toughest remaining schedules were all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. All 10 teams. And, and what that means is, you know, obviously with the double round robin format, you're playing everybody 
that could skew it a little bit, but it means there's no bottom feeders in our league. You've legitimately got 10 teams that could all be NCAA tournament teams. In fact, Fran Priscilla said as much a couple of weeks ago. Now, you're going to beat up on each other to the point where some records might not allow that when it's all said and done, but heading into it, based on the non-conferences we just witnessed, and, and you know, shoot, Oklahoma State had as many non-con losses as anybody, and they darn near won in Allen Fieldhouse. And, you know, Bill Self was telling me this on our pregame. It's like some of the projections he looks at says that we're the number three team in the country, but we're projected to go 12-6 and six based on some of these computer forecasts and all that. And 12-6 and six could win the league this year, which normally you're talking 14-4 and four type record to, to win the league. So uh, that's how competitive it's going to be. And yet Kansas, two games in, though they've had to sweat them, is sitting there at 2-0, and and if you could get through this week with another win in Morgantown, a place that historically has been a real bugaboo for Kansas, a real thorn in the side, if you could get to 3-0 and with two of your toughest road venues out of the way, wow, you feel pretty good at that point. That's like for you golfers out there, you know, parring or, or birdieing the, the two toughest handicap holes, uh, you know, early in the round and feeling like you've already got a couple of strokes up on the field. So that's what's at stake on Saturday. But how are they feeling right now? I think they're feeling like we've got something with K.J. Adams. This kid's special. I mean, the way he's played these first two conference games, 16 last night, went for he's averaging now 15 in league play. He's been fantastic. And, uh, you know, you take a look at uh, what DeWan Harris did, and he's not going to give you what he did last night every night. But he goes two for two from three in the second half versus Oklahoma State when we're down 15 and we got nothing going and they're sagging off to him like most teams have done. They won't do that anymore. He goes two for two and he kind of gives us that shot in the arm to ignite the comeback. And then yesterday on a night where Kevin McCullough gets early foul trouble and uh, Grady Dick was inconsistent in the first half and all that, he goes five for five from three. And and when you got that falling and, and that kind of uh, dangerous weapon on the outside on top of what Everything else he does as a distributor and facilitator, it just makes you so much more dynamic. And so for those two guys who are clearly your fourth and fifth scoring options by a long ways to step up and do what they did, it just shows you how complete this Kansas team can be because Jalen Wilson's not going to have too many more nights where he gets shut down in the second half offensively like he was last night. And um, you know, teams clearly are trying to, to take Grady Dick out of it and, and shots – you know, are going to be tougher to come by. It's good that he's got such a quick release and high release point. He'll eventually, you know, find his rhythm. I thought he's done a lot for Kansas on the glass these last two games to, uh, you know, to show that, that he'll contribute in other ways until the offense comes a little more. But, uh, yeah, I mean, on a night when Kevin McCullough struggled and, and Tech's defense was, was throwing several guys, uh, you know, into a, a situation where they were well below their typical average, you saw other guys emerge, and I think that's a sign of a good team. You can win in a multitude of ways. And so I was really pleased with that. And I think as a Kansas basketball fan, you just got to buckle up, hang on tight, and know that these next 16 games and the, the trip to Kentucky, obviously, but the next 16 Big 12 games are going to be a situation in a league where on any given night, regardless of venue, anybody can win. And, you know, we always like to try to go 9-0 and at home in the league and, and sometimes 8-1. and it's going to be tougher to do this year, as good as this league is. But keep plucking off some of these road wins when you can get them and hold serve as much as you can in the fog. What Bill Self now has a 
95% winning percentage and 300 wins all time. And, and whether it's 12 wins or, or 14 or, or something in between or just above, I think this Kansas team has a great shot to give Self his 17th Big 12 title in 20 years, which is remarkable. And this one, even though it seemingly said every year how good the league is, this one really might be you know, the toughest year to do it based on the, the conference top-to-bottom strength. And, and I think that will continue to prove itself to be the case over these next two months. Yeah, buckle up. It's going to be a blast. All right, Brian, we'll catch up on some sleep there. We appreciate it. Uh, we know that sleep's important for you as we make our way through the crossover and now can just focus on hoops. It is, and you set me up for the uh, the great advertisement we give our guys at the Mattress Hub. Love sleeping in my own bed. It was good being back in Lubbock and seeing old friends where I used to work. But, man, the, the, the pillows and the mattress just weren't the same. I have the purple mattress, which I told you guys about from the Mattress Hub. I also now have a purple pillow. I know K-State fans are making jokes. But it's the name of the company, and, and it really is some of the softest, just best technology for neck support and back support. I'm a former athlete. If, if That's probably being generous, call myself an athlete. But I'm a guy that still tries to be one. And I need the support for my back and neck from previous sports injuries. And so I found the right fit for the most comfortable night's sleep and the most restorative sleep for my health. You can do the same, whether it's Tempur-Pedic or any number of, of mattress lines. They've got them all there at the Mattress Hub, and they've got great customer service to find the best night's sleep for you. So check them out today at the Mattress Hub and the MattressHub.com website as well. Guys, appreciate you both so much. Have a great rest of the week, and uh, we'll look forward to Hopefully talking about a 2-0 week out on the road next time we touch base. There goes Brian Haney. Brian, we appreciate it. Voice of the Kansas Jayhawks joining us each and every Wednesday as we make our way now full-time into basketball season. Tommy and I will be back. we got a giveaway when we return. Stay tuned for that on Sports Daily. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily. Let's uh, let's get the new year. It's been a while since we've done one of these. Let's let's give something away here, Tommy, and we'll start with just a massive weekend for you guys uh, at the Wichita Thunder coming up and a lot of fun potentially for fans. Yeah, it's going to be great. We've got a, a big weekend matchup. In fact, uh, games start tonight. They run uh, tonight, Friday night, and Saturday night at Interest Bank Arena taking on the Idaho Steelheads. This one's going to be big because Idaho – uh, is not only in first place in the division, they're in first place in the entire ECHL. They're a great team. Uh, and the Thunder, we're in second place uh, in the division, so we're right behind Idaho. So a big three-game matchup Wednesday, Friday, Saturday this week. Uh, taking on Idaho should be a lot of fun. All right, so let's give away some tickets, Tommy. Uh, what, a four-pack to one of these games? What do you got for yeah. us? Yeah, let's do a four-pack on Saturday night's game. So that'll be the uh, the third game in the three-game set uh, against Idaho. We'll do a four-pack of tickets to uh, Saturday night's game against Idaho Interest Bank Arena, 7.05. All right, so you got a four-pack of Saturday tickets. We'll throw in a couple of free iced teas from HTO, uh, which is got two locations now, one east, one west. So 
We'll do it right now. We'll take, uh, as we get ready to wrap up number one, our number one, we're going to take the, I don't know, Jad, let's do, what is today? January 4th? Let's do the fourth caller, 869-1240 as we go to break in just a minute, as Jad will take that for us. Coming up in our number two, what's on tap? Uh, we are not going to have Kevin Saul this week for our bi-weekly visit. He's doing some holiday traveling, so we'll catch up with him. We've got DeMar Hamlin in the NFL to get through. We've got Jim Harbaugh in the NFL potentially returning to get through. A lot coming up for you still to come in hour number two of Sports Daily. We'll do that next. Jad will take our fourth caller off the air. Four packet tickets to Saturday's Wichita Thunder game. A couple of free iced tea cards from HTO Wichita East and West now. We'll do that. We'll come back. Hour number two of Sports Daily. Stick around. Stick around.